Welcome to another episode of Angry Girl Music at the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. I hope you're all staying healthy and safe. I know there's been a lot of shakeup in this new normal lately with states easing into reopening, and that can be such a strange feeling. I, I, sh- I know it is for me. Some are looking to go back to work. Others are looking to shelter in place. I'm definitely more of a shelter in place, stay safe person myself, but it's kind of tiring just seeing all of the discourse out there right now in a time where, at least for me, I think we should be above all prioritizing the safety and health of others, and as well as providing the resources they need. I hope you're all taking the time to give your mind a break from the chaos, whether you're escaping into video games, checking out all the new albums dropping, or even just doing a little silent meditation to just kind of calm your mind for a sec. We all need our way of escape in this time, and as long as you're being responsible, looking out for others, making sure that you know nobody's safety or well-being is compromised, go for what will help you in this time. Anything that makes you feel creative, positive, upbeat, or even just calm, take it. Speaking of escapes, my guest this week has crafted an incredible one in her home studio in Brooklyn. This week, I'm joined by Joan Wasser, better known as Joan as Policewoman. Joan has been crafting incredible songwriting over the last 20 years, playing with genre and creating what suits her personal vision. Like many of the heroes she's collaborated with, she's refused to compromise her vision, and it's resulted in some truly spectacular original songs and covers. This week, we talk about having a creative space, Joan's stories of collaborating with artists like Lou Reed, her vision for her music, and so much more. So with that, let's hear more of Jonas Policewoman and then dig into the interview. You don't have to be beautiful to turn me on. I just need your body, baby, from dust till dawn. You don't need experience to turn me out. You just leave it all up to me. I'm gonna show you what it's all about. You don't have to be rich to be my girl. You don't have to be cool to rule my world. You never take you to sign. I'm more compatible with I just want your extra time and Shoes size, maybe. 
Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Really good. Um, I'm really excited to be able to talk to you. Um, I really had some fun really exploring all the music that you have out there. Mm, I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To go ahead and kind of dig into it, when did you kind of first begin to play music? Uh, Well, my public school offered string instruments in third grade. There was a, an assembly and um, people came and did a demonstration, uh, violin, viola, cello, or bass. And where I grew up, um, there were a lot of uh, different um, just people with different amounts of money. So uh, you could rent an instrument for $10 a year mm-hmm. so that everyone could do it. I chose the smallest one because it was most portable. And so therefore I started the violin then and ended up playing it through college studying at college. That's so neat that you have this background in violin um, all the way through college too. Um, Do you ever feel like your background in kind of like orchestral performance and that style of music has like informed any of the songwriting that you do today? Sure. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, hearing, um, a lot of, different harmonic you know harmony early on um uh you know in Mahler and Stravinsky and Shostakovich and you know all this really complicated um harmony I think got my ears uh attuned to uh Sort of more no boundaries in terms of where you could go with the song um, and where you know that just this just the chord, chord progression etc uh, yeah I mean yes so yes the answer <laughs> is yes that's so neat that you mentioned about having like no boundaries in that way too because I feel like a lot of your music does have a lot of like breath to it and there's a lot of layers and different things you kind of incorporate there thank you that is what i intend to do so i am glad that you hear it that way music is so 
um, you know, you can do so much with it mm -hmm. uh, that I try to do as much as I can without stifling it. So I'm glad you mentioned breath because <laughs> that's important. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't seem like you've ever really lived within too much of like one genre or particular sound either. Um, I feel like especially with your newer music, you play around with so much and it's so interesting to me as a listener. Um, how do you, how did you kind of expose yourself to each of these different kind of sounds that you play with? Like, I feel like there's a lot of um, stuff that's like, of course, pop influence, um, sometimes blues or funk, all kinds of stuff you have there. I have been obsessed and infatuated with music my whole life. Growing up, I was born in 1970, so growing up, AM radio was like the golden years of music in many ways, of like radio with the Jackson 5 and Diana Ross and Donna Summer and like all this, all the Motown stuff on the radio, on the AM radio before I would go to school. So, I mean, that's like the first music I, I heard. Uh, and then when I started realizing I could buy vinyl at the Salvation Army for 25 cents, um, a record collection began <laughs> growing. <laughs> uh, so, you know, and just like buying things, I had no, you know, there was no internet then. Yeah. So I would buy pretty much on the look of the album cover or, you know, something that caught my eye. So I would just end up with all this stuff and, uh, and listen to it. And, you know, also through radio, like hear something and then want to get the record, etc. It was, um, I mean, it's a special time, like not, not actually having any idea what you've got and then putting it on and hearing radically new sounds you've never heard before, you know? So I just, that's sort of how I have listened to music my whole life. There is like, it's like genre doesn't really matter to me. If it's good music, it's good music. That's so amazing. And it, it's so great that you've exposed yourself to just so much and having that accessibility to records makes a huge difference too. Do you remember the first record that you just were like obsessed with completely in love with? Uh, I, so I, so before I was buying like old records uh, my, myself, mm -hmm. uh, my parents were, not they were they sort of were born before uh the beatles and everything so many of my friends parents were listening to the beatles etc but my parents were not so i grew up listening to judy garland mm -hmm. and stuff like that which is just some of the best music ever mm -hmm. um but uh you know i guess it was when i was like uh, eight or nine or something, I, um, I found in the, in, in the records at, at the, at the Salvation Army, <laughs> uh, I found, uh, Axis Bold is Love by Jimi Hendrix, and it's the cover that's like, it's, it sort of represents, um, him as, like a Hindu god with many, many arms holding different things. Um, it, it has like sort of psychedelic, uh, um, traditional god sort of um, artwork. And I was like, whoa, what's this, you know? And <laughs> having no idea, uh, there's, all, there's all the like, Hanuman is in there. All the Hindu gods are, are there with him. And then him and his and the experience are there too. Um, the his badge. And I brought it home and my life has changed. I mean, I never heard anything like it. 
so yeah, that was um, extremely influential to me. And it was at a time where my, I just, I, I just was completely, um, my mind had never heard, my, heard anything like it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. That's so special. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix has that way of just, I feel like making an impact on people, whether it's like, you know, you stumbling upon a record or just the way that just the sonic influence that he's had on just millions of people is so neat. And the fact that you were able to connect to that too, is just awesome. Yep. I'm lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you played with uh, a couple bands before you started on your solo work with like the Dam Builders and stuff. Um, as you played with others and then started to kind of pivot to your solo work, what kind of lessons did you kind of take from working with other bands into working on your own music? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Well, first of all, I, um, when I, 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 I went to music school in 1988, and I on the on the first day of orientation, I looked around the room and I was like, hmm, I don't see very many people that, you know, like that look like me. Not that I'm not going to make a lot of bonds with a lot of people that don't look like me, but I was like, where are my people? And then I saw this this woman across the room who looked sort of as out of place as me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's my person. And <laughs> we came, we became friends that day. And I got her to like, I got her a place on the, on the floor of my dorm. And we just became best friends. And her name is Mary Timoney. And she was a guitar, she is a guitar player. She was going, she was at the same school. She was studying classical guitar. I mean, she went on to make Helium and XX and a million bands and she's um, still making music. But uh, little did I know is that, you know, she was the first person I, I played with and she had been playing music in bands for a number of years, Um, but I had not, I was, a classical musician I listened to tons of music and went to punk rock shows and stuff but I didn't play it you know because I didn't play a regular band instrument so she was the first person that I actually played with not looking at music for the first time you know which is it sounds silly but as a classical musician you don't learn how you don't you learn how to read music Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, it, it's, it's like being a slam poet. Like you can work on your poetry and then read it in public, but you don't make it up on the spot, you know? So I was not used to playing off the page and she was the first person I did that with. And she was really central to, to my um, learning what I liked, what I didn't like. Uh, we did a bunch of shows together. Then I went on to join a bunch of bands and um, I was not writing songs. I was like, some, you know, writing with, uh, with things that I was in, but I was not writing songs on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wasn't interested in being a songwriter or a singer or anything. Um, I just wanted to sort of figure out a place for the violin to sit in a band that wasn't lame. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to figure out how to make violin cool. I mean, like John Cale had done it in the Velvet Underground. Yeah. Other than that, I was pretty horrified by the way violin had been used in pop music. So I, I was just sort of consumed with figuring that out. But you know, while I was in the Down Builders, which that was an amazing experience. Those guys are incredible, incredible musicians. 
um, incredible human beings. I learned so much from playing music with them uh, and just tons about recording. Um, by recording with them, uh, you know, just that was an absolutely incredible um, group of people to be involved with. But um, I picked up the, the guitar like in my mid 20s, you know, and I was like, just sort of working out some chords. And then I started like actually singing along a little bit. And I was like, oh, this is how people write songs. Like they play a chordal instrument, duh. You know, I had like been playing this instrument that's a melodic instrument that's very similar to the voice. So it's pretty much, it's pretty difficult to write songs on the violin. Mm. So that's when I first started working out, you know, how, you know, sort of trying to figure out, like, I, I was horrified about singing. I didn't sing for a really long time. Um, I didn't, it was too revealing. <laughs> uh, and I had just been around too many amazing singers uh, to think that I had anything to contribute. Um, but, like, through the late 90s and the very early 2000s, like, I just, I became consumed with figuring out how to write songs, how to sing in a way that I felt good about. Mm -hmm. So by the time I actually released my, put out an EP in 2003, and then I released my full length in 2005. By the time that happened, I had made I'm, I'm finally coming around to answering, answering your question. <laughs> I, um, I had made a promise to myself that I was going to, you know, with this solo project that I was going to do, I was going to always just do it exactly the way I wanted to. I had been in situations, I mean, in, in other bands, like, you know, like the, the the golden era of like 90s, like everybody was on a major label. Everybody got money to make records, um, you know, but still there were, you know, the, the record companies like, well, we don't really hear a radio song, mm -hmm. you know, can you like, you know, this kind of thing, which I totally understand. That's cool. But when I got, to, I mean, that's sometimes really great. Like, okay, here's a challenge. How can we do this? But when I got to the point where I was making my own music, I just was, I just decided like, no matter what, I'm never like, compromising my vision. Hmm. First of all, I was 35 when I released the record. So I didn't have to worry about getting marketed as this like, young hot situation in the bikini or something like I, was, <laughs> I feel you know I felt really like lucky that I hadn't started writing early um, because I felt much more free in many ways yeah you're kind of protected so. from the way that sometimes in the industry can kind of fetishize youth or non-men yeah. and stuff you know in that sense it's like you know what i I'm, I'm a grown up. I don't have to face that same pressure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so crucial. It's interesting to me because like kind of learning more about you, I saw that you've like collaborated with these like kind of like star power level artists, like, you know, Alta John, Lou Reed, these recognizable names. And here you are as an independent artist who does refuse to compromise your vision um, what's it like for you to kind of work with people on kind of both sides? You've worked with, like I said, kind of like more of like a industry kind of success as well as your own personal vision. Um, I'm kind of curious about your, your viewpoints on that. Uh, well, like for instance, Lou Reed, Lou Reed um, got a lot of notoriety early in his mm -hmm. career. Uh, yeah. when he was doing something, he and the Velvet Underground were doing stuff that nobody else was doing and it was like pretty mind blowing. 
so for the rest of his life, he pretty much did did things the way he wanted to. He was pretty inflexible in terms of like what he was willing to do for someone else. If he thought it should be this way, it was going to be this way. So, I mean, and that's also why he liked me, for (laughs) instance, you know, because we both did things in our own unique ways and weren't interested in trying to, um, you know, change anything about the way we were, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how we thought about music. Um, You know, so in general, the people that I have played with are pretty similar to me. I mean, he was in a great situation because of his very early career, Mm -hmm. really, um, you know, getting a lot of... uh, attention um and 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 paving of you know making a path for himself therefore on that he could pretty much do whatever he wanted yeah yeah that's amazing and that's so great that you were able to collaborate with somebody who was so like-minded to you as well yeah yeah he would really he was very uh pointed in his vision and it's very you know that was really great to be around that's amazing. Well, um, it's interesting that you talk about people who also have that same idea of like not compromising vision, just being able to have the freedom to do what they want. And same goes to you because you've really explored so much of sound. And I'm curious about how maybe you feel your songwriting has evolved from your first EP to kind of like present music that you get to work on now. Yeah. That's that's a great question. I um yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like every time I start a song, it's the first song I've ever written. Wow. Like I don't have a template of how a song is supposed to go. Like I don't have preconceived ideas. I mean, it's it's I feel like Part of that is because the instruments that I play, um, that I write on, are the piano or or keys and guitar. Both instruments I never studied. I just taught myself. So I feel on those instruments 100% inadequate and always lost anyway. (laughs) I mean, the fact is I can play those instruments. When you see me play those instruments, everyone thinks, oh yeah, she's, you know, she can play that, that instrument. But the fact is, is like, I can't read on those instruments. Like I didn't go to jazz school where I can like follow a chord chart. No way, you know? Uh, So I feel like in a way it's lucky for me that I didn't study those. I didn't study songwriting. I didn't study the instruments I write on and therefore it feels like a huge open ocean, uh, you know, where anything's possible because I don't have any ideas of, of what is, where a song's supposed to go. That this chord's supposed to go to this, this chord leads to this chord. I really like, I just rely on my ears otherwise. That's so amazing. I feel like, well, I feel like it was a, it's like, it benefits my writing in that way um you know uh and and but then you were talking about how it's evolved through time i i mean when i first started so when i recorded my ep it was in a it was in a studio actually a studio i still work in today oh wow yeah yeah um, but the thing that has happened over the 17 years I've been working there or whatever is I now also have my own home studio because I've learned so much about recording and how to do it here at my house. So, you know, I will always go there to mix records or to, you know, 
to do to do to record certain instruments or this and that or to do vocals even on their like really expensive vocal mics and stuff like that but i can do a lot of you know sometimes they call it pre-production or you know i can do a lot to create a song here before i go in which is so empowering and you know what i what i know how to do is super basic but i can finish whole song like right here in my apartment i i recently was asked to do a song for um a benefit for the australian wild the uh, well uh the fires that were in mm -hmm. australia and i'm i made that whole track here in my studio wow that's uh, awesome it, you know yeah well it's it's a thing that really has changed um, a lot because you don't ever have to stop. It's like, okay, well, I got it to this point. Now I have to teach it to the band and then we're gonna go into the studio and record it, record the basics and doing this and that. You know, now I do the drum programming and all the, I mean, obviously I will always have Parker Kindred, the drummer I play with on, on my recording. He's incredible, and I'm not saying he's replaceable by drum programming. But when I need to have a song like done fast, like we need this fast, I can I can make it all here, you know, with a different kind of sound. But I can make it all here, which is, you know, it's empowering. Right, and it kind of lets you have that space to kind of like experiment and demo it out and see if it's yep. matching what aligns in your mind for like your vision. Absolutely, exactly right. That's so awesome. Well, what a great resource to have right there for sure. Especially at this time. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know uh, we're living in a really strange time with coronavirus going on and like having at least the ability to keep creating your space. Do you find that helpful at all in all this? Oh yeah. Oh my God. Totally. I mean, I'm doing it. I have to say, this lockdown is not all that different from my life because mm. um, I do so much work here anyway. I see. Um, you know, um, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's really helpful for this time, but it's also just really helpful in general that, mm. you know, that I continue to create. It keeps me sane uh, and it keeps me happy in my mind and it keeps me also uh being in contact with feelings that i might try to tamp down ah, they yeah. will always come out in the song <laughs> so that's really helpful that's yeah. good yeah because you can just go to your space when you're feeling something and just you know if you need to get it out creatively it's right there sure is whether i know it or not sometimes <laughs> i don't even know it yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Or it has that way of kind of just getting us to acknowledge things that we're feeling and thinking that we hadn't before. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so neat. Um so I know last year you put out kind of a really awesome career spanning anthology and stuff. Um Joanthology, which I love the name by the way. Um what was it like for you to kind of put together that anthology and maybe even like revisiting some different songs that you've worked on? Yeah, it was really weird because I don't, I don't revi revisit. Like when something's done, I'll never listen to it again. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, unless I have to learn it or if I hear it in the supermarket or on the radio or something, but <laughs> I will not, I won't purposefully go back and listen mm -hmm. to songs um, just because... I just love making new stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think there's probably some part of me that is terrified that, oh God, am I going to hate it? Um, you know, so, so this was an exercise and um, an extreme exercise and, oh God, am I going to hate it? And <laughs> thankfully, I, I, didn't, I didn't hate it. And sometimes I was really um, 
sort of surprised at choices that I made and, uh, and like, liked them, you know, it was, it, they, I acknowledge that, that like, they were probably, they were probably choices that I might not make now. And I'm really happy I made them then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's interesting because I'm sure you can kind of trace like, um, moments of like your personal history, I'm sure of like, you know, Ooh, this yeah. is, this was the kind of music I was writing back then. And like, this is what I was feeling and thinking in that chapter, whether it was like three years ago or 10 years ago. Yep. That's right. That's yeah. really cool. How did you pick what songs you wanted to include on the anthology? Well, I have an amazing manager. And he helped me because I am someone that would probably have tried to include every song that was last on all the records because often they're really long and songs that people haven't heard um, as much as other songs that I think are really important. And, you know, leaving out tons of songs that, actually are necessary so he helped me like we would go back and forth and he would say i really think this song should actually be on the and i and then i would say okay let me think about it and then and then also there's a space like there's only so much space on a cd so i can't i couldn't go over a certain amount of minutes which is probably good um, you know, so it, it, it required me to, um, you know, figure out time-wise, um, you know, how, you know, what, what to put on and what to leave off. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a conversation I had, um, with my manager, who is also my friend. So it was, it was a fun conversation. We did have a couple sticking points, but guess what? We made it through. <laughs> That's good. And I yeah. like how much uh, variety there ends up being on there because there's, of course, like several of kind of what I'd almost call like your hit singles and stuff, but you also have some really cool covers and all kinds of stuff that you kind of tuck within that, which makes it a really fun listen. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> um, what were some things that kind of like surprised you or maybe even delighted you as you were putting together this anthology? Uh, I was really happy about the vulnerability that mm -hmm. I've had throughout. It's really important to me to always be taking chances in that department. Mm -hmm. And I heard those chances over and over taken. And so I was really, I was glad to, to experience that again because I mean this has happened throughout my songwriting career where I'll write a song at a particularly difficult time and I'll finish the song and I'll think well that's cool nobody's gonna hear that because it's way too personal mm -hmm. or it would be way too difficult to sing in public anything like that and then of course I know that once I've said that to myself thought it that that is the most important song to release you know so I just heard myself do that a lot and was really was happy that about that you know um uh, yeah, you know, I have another covers album coming out in a couple of weeks, you know. Yeah, this. it's exciting. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I, um, did you, I, did you get a promotional, did you get a link? Uh, I didn't get it to the full one, but I did get to listen to, like, the singles that you do have out for it, and it okay. was so much fun to kind of already dig into these. Like, I think, actually, Plot Twist, one of my favorites was, um, there are worse things I could do because yeah. I'm a big fan of like the stalker chanting 
rendition of it and to hear your take was really fun for me to listen to. Thank you so much. I'm also a big fan of the soccer Channing cake. She is incredible and I Truly. love her delivery on that song so much. <laughs> right. And I feel like I could feel your emotional take on it too, which was so interesting. Hmm. That's cool. That song was written before the film, like mm -hmm. other people had recorded it and then they used it in the film. Like it yeah. wasn't written for the film, which was, I thought was really interesting. Yeah. But her, I, I mean, I remember being really young, seeing the, the movie, like maybe seven or eight or something mm -hmm. for the first time and watching the movie and just crying uncontrollably when that song came on. Now, I was way too young to understand the depth of why that song was so sad. Mm -hmm. But still, I was crying so much. So something in it is intrinsically clear, whether you're old enough to really understand uh, the intricacies of why you know, which I think is an incredible thing about music. Right. Because if anything, it's like the the basic understanding of that song for a lot of people, if you look at it just at like face value, it's like obviously there's emotional like relationship weight there and stuff. But I remember as a kid kind of finding it interesting and I would realize this more so as an adult that like in many ways it kind of felt like a feminist song to kind of like sit there and think about the ways that like, you know, um, women's behavior can kind of be judged and stuff and um, it was just fascinating and it's one of those songs I love to revisit again and again because I feel like there's different takes you can get on it and it's such a rich song I totally agree yeah I agree oh I mean she was the compelling character mm -hmm. in that film I mean she was the one that was so deep and yes. so, and you know, troubled and just cool and tough, but really, you know, really delicate on the inside, like we all are, mm -hmm. you know, everyone, male, female, etc. Uh, you know, and just her whole, just her play of that character was so, uh, was so mind blowing, especially for a young person. Um, and then learning more and more as I grew, grew up, like what, what it meant to be her in that role or something, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, Rizzo from Greece is incredible. And I kind of wish Rizzo had been the central character instead, <laughs> just cause she was probably the most like compelling character with just so much depth and, um, there was just, yeah, for sure. And everything that Stalker Channing brought to that and just that track was just unforgettable. And it's so neat to hear how you kind of played with that um, and kind of modernized, it seemed like, the way that that song is kind of presented, you know? That's cool. I tried to kind of do uh, a, a little bit of a Flamingos uh, rendition. Flamingos ah. were like... Uh, you know, we're like a vocal duop group from mm -hmm. the 60s or something. Um, and, you know, so I tried to kind of do that kind of version of it. So I'm glad you hear it as modern. That's yeah. great. <laughs> it's kind of cool because I feel like... Um... There's a lot of bands right now that are kind of revisiting that sort of sound and it's refreshing and it's so cool to hear your take on that too. Cool. What other bands? Uh, Queen of Jeans does that occasionally. They're really great. Okay. I don't know them. Yeah. The, um, a lot of kind of like 60s girl band um, kind of influence, but also has the like modern indie rock twist. Big fan. Okay, cool. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, so this is like your second release of covers that you have coming out. What is it that you love about covers and how do you kind of choose which ones you want to include on these releases? Yes. Well, I love cover songs because they're just 
it's just like candy. The song already exists. So I get to just, one, see if I can find another facet in the song that I can bring out enough to make the song worth covering and releasing. And then, um, and then, you know, I mean, it has to be a song that I love. Mm -hmm. um, but not every song can I find that piece that, you know, changes it enough. I do a lot of harmonic change or rhythm change or, you know, vibe change um, of the songs. Um, but sometimes it's not, I, I don't find my way. So, but it's really it's really fun because my own material is so, I mean, it's so emotionally wrought, you know, it's like, okay, this song is almost done, but I don't have these few words. I can't find these few words to finish the lyrics. I'm just going to have to wait mm -hmm. for those words. No, all of that is done already. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's just sort of how creative can I be? Uh -huh. um, and then at the same time, I really learn a song that I love, the ins and outs and why it works as is. And then can I find a way in that, that, that will make it worth, um, you know, anyone else listening to. So, yeah. That's so cool. And I like how, um, I feel like you just experiment so much with sound, whether it's like the way that you apply your vocals to it, or um, even just like the tone of the song in general, just kind of shifts in ways that are really fun. Like, um, I remember, I believe this is from your other covers, or at least another release, but like Outcast, for example, and stuff. And like, the way that you played with that, or Prince even, and with Kiss, all that is just really interesting to me, how you just um, turn a song into your own playground, it feels like. Ah, that's exactly right. On the Outcast song, Michelle and Deggier Cello is, is reading those words of mm -hmm. Andre 2000. Um, and, you know, I, I had that, I had this concept of her doing that. And then when I heard her, when I recorded her doing it, I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. She also plays bass on that and two other songs on the, on the record. So she's an amazing um, I mean, just one of the greatest living musicians um, and human beings. That's awesome. What a great collaboration for you to have and be able to um, work with for multiple parts of music. That's neat. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, so you have a lot of songs out there, which were so much fun for me to kind of dig into. I'm, and I talked about some covers I liked and stuff, but I, I'm curious, what are your favorite songs for you to play out and maybe even play live? <laughs> um, I'm probably going to think of, I'm probably going to like mention probably ones that are most more recent because I just have those in my mind a little bit more. Sure. Oh, I, I love playing Valid Jagger from Sam Devotion. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really fun to do. Let's see. Um, <laughs> fact is, is like when I when I get to play with my band, like pretty much everything is really fun. So that's like a terrible answer, but it is the truth. <laughs> um, I love I love playing the silence live. That's really fun. Yeah. Um, and let's see. I mean, I I just did like six months of solo touring last year. Yeah. So I I did tons of solo versions of songs I wrote an entirely new and almost recognizable version it's kind of like I covered my own song of Christabel which oh. is on real life my first record um because I don't really play guitar like I played the guitar on that recording any longer I don't play guitar like that at all um so I had to sort of figure out but people want to hear that song and I also want to play it myself so I had to find a way to make that work. Um, 
and so I shifted it to the piano and wrote a new arrangement. So that was really fun to do live. Um, yeah, new arrangement of that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned that you were on tour solo for a while last year and stuff. Um, tell me what your live shows are like. Well, <laughs> I mean, the solo tour, it was like grand piano and I had, um, and I had uh, electric guitar and amp. And then I had this like drum machine from the seventies that I brought with me that I used just on a couple of songs, but it was special. Um, you know, for the solo stuff, it's like really pared down and super, super intimate with the band that, I was going to be going out in May and June and we're rescheduling now for like November, December. Um, that's going to be, um, I mentioned him already, the um, drummer and really good friend Parker Kindred, who also has like one of my favorite voices ever. And, um, and, and bass player Jacob Silver, who's a monster bass player, incredible. Uh, and he also has a great voice. So that would be a lot of like harmony singing with us and just pair, like pair, like minimal pared down groove, uh, stuff for, for that, um, trio show that'll happen at the end of this year. Can you tell I'm looking forward to that? I can't wait. <laughs> no that sounds yeah. like so much fun honestly yeah um it stinks it had to be rescheduled on all of your touring oh, for the summer but you know um Absolutely. it sounds like you're gonna have a great experience <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's so great well it seems like you stay really busy honestly between releasing the anthology last year having these covers coming out here in may um what are you kind of working on this year for 2020 what can we kind of look forward to from you besides uh that awesome covers release well i mean i'm working on a number of records right now nice uh, i mean i'm always working on the next jonas record, so that's i'm like always waiting for that mm -hmm. i also made a record with the legendary drummer tony allen and uh, Tony Allen from, I mean, he played with Stella Kuti for a trillion years. Um, and now he plays in The Good, The Bad, and The Queen. And a million, he just put a, out a record with Hugh Masekela and him. Anyway, I made a record with him and my friend Dave Okumu from London. And so I'm like just going through those tracks now because I have to sort of make songs out of our recording cool there's that i'm i'm also in the middle of finishing the recording on the second collaborative record that i'm making with benjamin lazar davis we put one out in 2016 called let it be you and we have the song i mean it's like 46 percent done Nice. Including recording. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like making a lot of progress on that, but that I'm working on that, on that too. So, you know, staying busy, it seems like that's oh, yeah. awesome. Always. Yep. <laughs> that's so amazing. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And that gives everybody stuff to look forward to. Um, so I always like to ask my guests at the end of an interview, um, if you could play a show with any three artists or musicians, they can be currently active or you bring them back from the dead, who would it be? Like in my band? Um, they can either be in your band or it's like you're sharing a bill with them. I mean, I think I'm going to have them be in my band because that's more fun. Okay, let's wanna, do that. Uh, you know, I want to play with them. Yeah. So, let, oh, and now that I've said that, now I have to figure out what on earth I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, okay, this is what, this is actually, this, I'm going to make it really easy for myself. If I could bring back the original whaler, mm. 
and play with that band in that band that you see on the, uh, you know, they did recordings on the old gray whistle tests. You see that band recorded on that. I would jump into that band and boy, I would make a mess and I would be so happy. <laughs> I would be so happy just to be in the middle of those just exquisite musicians. I love it. I love the image and I love the idea of you collaborating. That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> oh yeah, let's make it happen. <laughs> time travel, time travel. When it happens, when I find out, I'll call you up and make sure we get you arranged for that for sure. <laughs> oh, thank you. Let me know. Oh my gosh. Um, Joan, it's been such a blast talking to you about everything that you've worked on. Um, where can everybody keep up with you online and find all your music? Oh yeah. You know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I am Joan as policewoman. Nobody else has got that name. <laughs> so I'm easy to find. I post everything that I'm doing that matters. So yeah, I'm I'm everywhere. I got a website too. That old thing. Um, <laughs> I'm all I'm all I'm all over it. So I'll see you on the uh, on the boards here. <laughs> Thanks so much, Joan. It's been fun. You too. You too. Have a good day. There were worse things I could do Than go with a boy or two Even though the neighborhood Thinks I'm trashy and no good I suppose it could be true But there were worse things I could do Policewoman. Thank you so much to Joan for joining this week and sharing such incredible stories. Be sure to check out her new covers album, Cover 2, now available everywhere you stream music. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion online. Find episodes, links, articles, and more at angrygirlmusic.com. Get in touch with me through email at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at, at angrygirlmusic. If you're interested in being a guest on the pod, reach out and let's chat about what you're working on. 
Pledge your support for Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion on Patreon at patreon.com slash angrygirlmusic. Special thanks to our monthly patrons Molly O'Malley, Kendra Mamula, Carly Commando, John Kitsy Kitzmiller, and Sam Zarwitz. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay angry and stay true to your vision. Bye for now. Tell me, tell me, tell me, what, what, what do you want? Tell me, tell me, tell me, what, what, what do you need? Tell me, tell me, tell me, what, what, what do you want? Tell me, tell me, tell me, what, what, what do you need? You know the science is free admission. So what do you say? You can start at the beginning No one's listening at the door frame You got to separate now What's real? What's not real? Tell me, tell me, tell me What, what, what do you want? Tell me, tell me, tell me Tell me, tell me, tell me